Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Angle Pick Pod. Angle Pickers, we are back. You just listened to Set the Spread. That closed. We got one more till we close out the year. And the usual suspects are always here as well. And I'm going to start with the guy that has on jaw microphone quality. Danny, how are you feeling today? What up? What up? We're doing all right. Good. That's all I like to hear. And and Kobe, life's treating you well? Life's treating me well. Fantastic. Glad to be here. Brightest yeah. point of my week coming to <laughs> talk to you boys. Me too. me too. And Country Club's been gathering news and notes for us. So, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit. And we'll also have his insider opinion from a casual perspective that he honestly just doesn't even have the casual tag anymore, but we need one because Danny and I are too far down the rabbit hole. Okay. So we are going to start with the recap as usual. Recap is going to be short and sweet. This was UFC Orlando full crowd and the main event or like, yeah, the, the headline was Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. Kobe have bonuses ready as always, but I'm going to go through a couple of the big ones. So first things first, and more importantly than anything else, friendly ankle picker himself, Jonathan JSP Pierce, notches a bloody victory, wasn't his blood, thankfully, over Darren the Damage Elkins, and slots himself into the number 14 rankings. I, anything to add on that other than we'll have him on hopefully this week or next week, and that he is a rising, rising prospect, and featherweights need to be alarmed. Yeah, no, that was a that was a perfect fight for him. He, he dominated all three rounds, and like you said, it wasn't his blood, and blood does a lot to sell in marketing, and, you know, I, I think that fighting a guy like Darren Elkins like that with the big moment where uh, Darren gets checked out from the doctor, and, and, and that, that'll be a clip that lives on, and that'll be big for JSP as, as he moves throughout his career. And ankle pickers too. JSP got go follow him on all his social medias. You'll find him at JSP. He's he's a great follow, and he'll be on later this week. Okay, my underdog Michael Johnson hit. Happy about that. My other pick hit Francis Marshall. Happy about that. But Dan, the most important pick, swinging a whiff. Kyle Dalkis falls to Eric Anders in truly dominant fashion. Anything to say for our miss? Because it's so few and far between, Dan, that I don't even really know what to say other than sorry. I don't know. No, definitely not any apologies. We're going to get back in the lab and get some green numbers going forward. Uh, this was, I guess, just the case of uh, a too quick of a return for me. We saw Delize break his face and then Eric Anders absolutely smash it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think he needs some time off. And I just feel like a misread too um, on the whole Dawkins clan. Also, want to give you a shout out for your pick, Philip Rowe. You did officially place that, yeah? Uh, well, I had it tracked on my Twitter, but um, this was the er- first time really ever that my bet MMA tips got 
a little bit messed up. I didn't get Philip Rowe in. I didn't get um, Wonder Boy in. I didn't get my RDA and uh, what was that? RDA and JSP parlay that we talked about being yeah, free money. Yeah. It, it, there, there was a lot of things that I got cut off a little bit and frustrated me. But um, it's good to know it's just on the right side, made some money for my actual bankroll, but yeah, uh, not on my MMA tip. I'm frustrated too because I – Maybe messed up in bankroll management for this card. I had Francis Marshall straight hit. I had Michael Johnson straight hit. I had a Jonathan Pierce um, RDA parlay hit. I had uh, Sergey Pavlovich straight hit. I had Roman Delidze straight hit. Great hit. But I had all those for half units or to win one unit. And I had risk three on Dalkus, which really felt like a kick in the nards. So let's talk so let's talk about that uh for one of the ones I mentioned Roman Delice. Calf slicer rolls him over. He had two great transitions that if you haven't watched or you you are a fan of the sport or someone who does roll often, you should get that one in your repertoire where he faints armbar and uses that position to get the reversal and get top position. He did it two maybe even three times. And it was a work of art. It was beautiful. When I saw it, I got out of my seat. I was like, holy. Yeah. Shit. He was extremely dangerous off his back. There wasn't a second that Hermanson felt comfortable there. Like you said, those sweeps were beautiful. Um, and then the setup for, I mean, I watched it, I think in slow motion, like 30 times. I just kept sitting there trying to figure out like, Oh wait. So how did he grab his, how, like, where did he lock his legs? And, and it was, it was honestly beautiful. Um, the big mistake, obviously there were two from Hermanson. Um, letting go of letting go of the position and kind of giving Roman his back in that uh situation really made it so the calf slicer was more dangerous than it should have been. And then also when he rolled to the to the mat, the fight was over. I mean, it, there was there's no way way to get out of that. Um you just kind of have to tell, separate. I couldn't tell if it was Hermanson attempting to escape or if it was Delede, say, forcibly putting him in that position. It was a little bit of both, obviously. It's the yeah. most dangerous chess game in the world for a reason. Um, I don't know. I sat there staring at it for a while, and Hermanson really has to focus on the hands there, break him, can't roll to his, his, his stomach, but he's got to absolutely create some space in between him and Delede to get his leg free. The other side note for people who are, might be newer to the sport or don't know – or haven't really seen a cast slicer because it's extremely rare. I think the last one I saw was like Brett Johns landed it and he's been out of the UFC for a little bit now. Calf slicers actually are not a submission that does any permanent damage. You can't break any legs or any joints or obviously you don't get knocked out. It's a pure pain tolerance thing, but essentially it is extremely painful. A lot of nerves in there. But if you can endure pain, let's say you're Tony Ferguson, you'll never tap to a calf slicer. And Aranza didn't tap, so I don't want to say. Right, that, that, that's kind of what I was saying, was when he rolled to his stomach and there was just no escape. I mean, he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't going to tap, but he wasn't going to get out of there. Yeah, he's in, he was in so much pain. But like you said, it's, it's, Yep, 50 gated delete, say. Last thing is, like you said, it's really hard to finish someone with a calf slicer. It was the positioning he had and the control of Hermanson that would, allowed him to get the finish. Yeah. Sergey Pavlovich just absolutely dismantles Ty. I mean, Ty's face was 
bloodied and battered from fists. Yeah, this was another one where I thought it was just way too quick of a turnaround for Ty. We saw in person Ty eat some of the biggest shots straight from Derek Lewis uh, right as he's getting up, no defense, and the guy just trucked on and was a Pavlovich jab. I don't know if it would have mattered, though. I don't think – because he ate the shots here, too. He never officially even went out, really. He just got – but it was it's, the jab that sent yeah. his bell spinning. It was like that was not a Derek Lewis uppercut. That was the yeah. jab. But you're looking at so far outside of his loss to Alistair Overeem, he is he's five and zero with five first round finishes, all punches and ground and pound. So, do you have a guy who might be next in line or close to next in line for a title shot? I think so. I don't think that there's much in front of him. I think that if you want to knock down some more contenders, feed them to Sergey. But it's about time that uh, he gets a shot somewhere. Kobe, you, someone gets a heavyweight shot. I was going to say, Kobe, you know more than anything else. Are they doing an interim for this heavyweight? Or are they waiting on John Jones? Because Francis I might not be. The hope, the hope is still Francis, John Jones for first March. quarter. Okay. By the way, not to get too far ahead, but I think there's going to be two pay-per-view cards in March. One early March, one late March. Yeah, late they've March. done that before. We'll okay. Jokes, but. Yeah, I was just checking on the state of the heavyweight division as we mentioned, Sergey. but okay, good I mean, to know. He's right there. In the meantime, 50K to Sergey there too. Okay. And then Mateus Nikolaou is another guy that's on that fringe title connect contention. He showed his power. I think he landed two straight rights. I mean, and they were crisp, just like a piston, straight from the ear to the chin of Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell, tough as they come, but just dropped twice, ground and pound, second round TKO for Nicolau. And then he also said, time for a title shot, I'm here. That one I don't see as much. Flyweight for me, he had the same kind of problem that he usually had. He only threw, what, 50 total strikes? Yep. Um, very, I, w- I don't want to say boring because that's disrespectful, but very patient. Mm-hmm. He dances Clearly around he's got a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. Clearly he's got a lot of power. He's explosive, athletic. He can... He can grapple. I don't know. I think the output needs to change. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Plus, there's a little bit of a log jam. I mean, Pantoja can only get fucked so many times. When you run the same title fight four times in a row, it's hard to get anyone else fed there. A lot of people on that fringe at flyweight. Did Nicolau make any cash, Kobe? No cash for Nicolau. Poor man. Although, I do have a question. Yeah. This is more of a news and notes question, maybe, but... With Moreno kind of standing by James Krause, what are the chances that fight dissolves? I think I think slim to none. And the reason why I think slim to none is because I think when it gets closer and closer and closer to that date, Moreno will have to distance himself. Dude, Krause, again, I know it's you can't everything's presumably, but he's guilty as shit. And so Moreno for his own career, and if Kraus isn't just the biggest piece of human waste, he would encourage Moreno to continue with his career, not go down with him. Makes sense. All right. I just wanted to put a little feeler out there. I actually have an interesting take on that. So we'll I'll do it. Yeah, we got more news and notes coming. So okay. Um, RDA dismantles Brian Barberena, and it's exactly how I thought it was gonna go. There's just such a massive degree of separation between the skill sets of these two gentlemen. And it is no disrespect to Brian Barberena whatsoever, but RDA is 
just levels above him in experience, in talent, in skill sets. And RDA really was a warm knife through butter. And I actually genuinely felt comfortable laying the 500. I never sweat. I never lay lines that high because I think everyone has a given chance any given day and they do. But this one, I don't, I don't, I, I couldn't see it. But Danny might be frozen. I yeah. also laid Dan RDA. Moved. What? I also laid RDA and never play lines like that. But here we are. It, it just never was in doubt. We're going to keep moving. There's, there's, RDA is a professional as professional fighters can get, can be. Yeah. And Barbarina is just not someone we see, let alone as a contender. So he, he doesn't contend in most fights that he no, fights. No, he doesn't. Days. He's like a... Um, He's just an entertaining guy, a very entertaining fighter. But if you're losing to Jason Witt and now you're taking on a previous lightweight champion, you're out of your league. Yep. I think we just keep trucking along. And then when Danny gets his stuff situated. Agreed. Yeah. So Kevin Holland, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's the main event. And I'm assuming this is fight of the night. This is fight of the night. Deservingly yeah. so. Yeah, because this got a ton of love. Just even from Twitter, I've seen a lot of people calling fight of the year or what a fight. Here's my takeaways from this fight. 40-year-old Wonderboy still's got it. Guy's fast as fuck. Kevin Holland's fight IQ and lack of wanting to win, I guess. He's more of about the entertainment. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't even know if it's fair to call it fight IQ because I think he knows. Maybe not. I think. He knows. I mean, I think he does know. But even his coaches, you they caught a corner blimpse where his coaches were like, stop letting him up. Right. And that was after the second or third round. Though. Right. It's and time he to fight him up in the first and then the second. They didn't say anything in between one and two and in between two and three. Yeah, he got those takedowns effortlessly, and he's a big man for 170. He could have grounded, grinded out that round. But so does that make you rethink what you said about Wonderboy, though, a second ago, where he still got it? Because he's got it against a guy that's going to fight a perfect fight against him. Yeah, I think fight so him. the way I look at it is anyone who's going to stand and strike with Wonderboy, Wonderboy's tough, clearly tough, still got it. Tough task for him. Yeah. He's very fast, he's very accurate, and he still has the pacing and the cardio. That's one of my big takeaways, is he was able to stay on the outside and stand and bang with him for four rounds. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, he still got it. But if you were going to pin him against, a, against anyone who's even willing to take him down, I think it's going to be a long night for him. Because Kevin Holland did it relatively easily, and... There's not a single name in the top 10 that won't want to take him down, except maybe Sean Brady. Sean Brady would want to take him down. Sean Brady's a wrestling monster. Sean okay. Brady. So you're right. Probably no one. What about like Vicente Luque? Is he in the top 10 still or no? Yeah, he's just sitting there nine. Luque wouldn't take him down. But that fight, I think, already happened. In yeah, I was going to say, haven't we seen that fight? Yeah. Interesting. Well, whatever. He, yeah, so for now it's it's – it's Wonderboy looking as good as ever, and which which I don't mind seeing. Right. So that will recap Orlando. I think Kevin. I, I've got a couple notes to add here. Yeah. Um, to to this card or just news and notes in general. To the card. Go for it. Women's dogs 
Um, I think we actually only have one more women's fight scheduled this entire year because there aren't any on UFC 282. What a gift. Um, we're sitting plus 57.95 units. Insane. Per the science. Went yeah. 1-0 and last week with Angela Hill cashing as a dog. Um, yeah, yeah, closed, Yara, Yara yeah, that closed outside the 350? Closed minus 360. Okay. So the alternate science, which that one helped, I, I've been more championing this more than anybody else. And I'm not really suggesting that one as, you know, we should be betting that only one minus 350 or greater women's fighter this year has lost. That was loopy against Angela Hill. Yeah. And that puts the alternate science up 13.8 units in 17 fights. If you're laying five per fight, which again, High variance, not a lot of proof in that pudding, but worth noting thus far. And we'll do this into 2023 as well. And you could maybe even have a system where all women minus 350 or higher, you ride and you flip the other side because when there are, when the skill gaps are this different and there's the lack of finishing, it makes you think that there's an ability for maybe two systems in one. Right. Maybe it's the same system. And then, I mean, that that's, we're not accounting for any, we're not forgetting any fights by using that science. Right. Every single fight gets bet on and together those are plus almost 70 dead, even 71 units in 2022. Well, it would be, yeah, it'd be different because we'd have to figure out what the winners paid. That's just what. No, I've done it. That's I've already oh, done. interesting. Okay, yeah. So you could have a double system there. So um, the only other yeah. thing I wanted to add was ankle lock notes. Yep. In our, in our competition, not what we wanted to see from the ankle pickers, um, and specifically Kyle Dawkins. We touched on that already. So we rode Dawkins, took an L there, fifteen and three still in the competition, which is really, really impressive record. Still good enough for first place, but that huge lead that we had is no longer a huge lead. Um, we're sitting at positive 44.8 units and second place is positive 42.47 units. Okay. Yeah. Two it, left. Yeah. He hit on Michael Johnson. So it's yep. very, it's going to be very close coming down to the last two fight cards. Definitely nerve wracking, definitely extra tape session. And yeah. Wild. Um, it looks like Danny's trying. I don't know. Yeah, what he is. Doing, but just, um, in the meantime, should we jump to news and notes? Yeah, I'm in. Think. Well, is there a big fight announcements? Should we wait for Danny? Actually, we don't have that many big fight announcements. I'm down to go through news and notes. I'll just tee you up for this one because I know that you've got the take here, um, and we we've touched on this already today, even, and we spent a little bit of time on this last week. But the saga of James Kraus and whatever's going on there. So we found out late last week that the Ontario Alcohol and Gaming Commission stopped offering and taking UFC bets. Alberta soon followed suits. And specifically worth noting, Ontario is the only Canadian province that supports third-party betting, third-party operators like FanDuel and DraftKings, everything else is provincially owned operators. So variety is just not there. It's a huge loss, a huge black eye for the sport. Like 
talk about a sport that has done so much to gain credibility and now is yeah. fighting an uphill battle for a pretty unnecessary reason. I, I, I know that I can just tee you off here and you can go with where. Well, all I have to add is New Jersey followed suit recently for people in the States. That just just no. Krauss-backed fighters. Just Krauss-backed fighters. So Alberta yes. and, and Ontario just are all, yeah. all of UFC altogether. And I heard a very interesting take on this, and I wish I could credit the take. I don't remember where I saw this, but the take was that it's going to take, they're going to take a very similar approach to the NBA when the NBA had the betting scandal with the referees, pin it all on one man, say, this is the one bad apple. James Krause is the one guy who does this. He is the one bad apple. Everyone else is legit and he's guilty for everything. And that's kind of what they did with the referees. And everyone kind of just said, okay, that works for us. And so I know that Dana is going to take this very seriously. I know that the suspensions already is a start in that direction. I know that the cut of Derek Minner is a step in that direction. And you have a ton of a ton of guys rostered on the roster to begin with that their whole aspirations are to get to that title shot. And they're not going to risk their career so that their coach can place a bet on the other guy and leak information. James Krause is going to fall down with this. Hopefully, hopefully Dana can get out in front of this, which I believe he will. And yeah, because it's it's a direct slap in the face to what we do. I mean, what if what if our ankle lock is uh, James Krause, someone that fights at glory or used to fight at glory, and now half our people can't follow, can't tail? That's a problem. Are you hesitant to place any kind of wager on any Krause-affiliated guy? Like, I mean, we look at TJ Brown on the card that we're about to talk about. Yeah, um, no. And the reason why, no, is because I think it's kind of like, a sickness and that sickness has been removed. And you saw it with Miles John. Miles John said, Oh, my coach is suspended. He went in there and got the job done still. And I didn't even know his coach was suspended. So I think that the bile that is James Krause has been removed. And that especially the elite people that are able to separate and say, Yo, what you did is fucked up. I don't want anything to do with you. There's so many good gyms. They'll be able to progress just fine. So maybe for the short term, because it might be a coaching mix up. Like they might not well, have. We've that. also seen, well, we can get to it in a second, but we've also seen some Kraus fighters remove themselves from fights. We saw Jeff Molina get replaced. So I didn't hear anything about this. Yeah. I mean, not immediately. Like last week, we saw Marcel Rojo fight. And this week, we're going to see TJ Brown fight. Mm-hmm. But we have seen some of the higher profile guys just step aside for the time being. Which, remember, and this is going to be a quick tidbit, but remember the whole. Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Braun saga, where Ryan Braun looked Aaron Rodgers dead in the eye and said, I swear to you, I'm not cheating. And then Aaron Rodgers went to all the news outlets, said he's not cheating, he's not cheating. Then they found out he was cheating. That's how I would feel about this James Krause. If James Krause is telling these guys, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. They put their careers on the line to say, yo, we're stepping out of our fights until justice is served. And then he's guilty. And he just took money out of these guys' pockets. And and I don't know James Krause. But from the vibe I get from his podcast, his discord, and the events that has transpired, maybe that's something he's willing to do. I don't want to bemoan this anymore. I think we just got to move on. Like, It's hard to move on because it's directly – It's No, it's directly shitting on our plate, though. We are UFC 
handicappers who spend all of our time handicapping fights. And now the integrity is in question and people are pulling the rights to bet. So it's, it's not like it's an issue where James Krause bang Laura Senko and we have a moral issue with that. It's which might've happened. It's the fact that this is a direct turd in my dinner. And that's my problem. My, my take is less about you and I, and it's more about, I guess not about you and I as gamblers. Well, the whole community. Yeah, fans of the sport. This is a sport that's been fighting for legitimization for a long time. I mean, we're talking less than five years ago, we couldn't have fights in New York. Uh, We just had our first fight in France. Yeah. It's been been an uphill battle um, to get away from the just bleed crowd and and the UFC one through like five, no rules kind of madhouse. Um, And I think that this is is a... bad mark and that's one of the reasons too why i'm so fired up is because i remember the stigma around being a ufc fan used to be really bad i remember it because i've I've been a fan of sport for a really long time and when i told people hey come over and watch fights or oh do you want to watch fights it'd be like what what the hell's wrong with you are you are you into gladiators are you everyone thinks you're just a low iq beer drinking tattooed having and it's not it's a that's it's a pure fallacy and so just like what you said the fact that the legitimacy to have it in new york have it in i think every state and now in paris and i mean the canadian the canadian provinces i think it's ontario and alberta pulling ufc yeah it's pulling mma gambling off of their books is is a really really bad yeah and if I was, yeah, if I if I was someone who's fought so hard for the legitimacy of the sport, like a Dana White, I'd be pissed. But I'm with you, Kobe. We've talked about it three straight episodes. We'll just keep a we'll keep a bookmark in it to see if anything else evolves, which I'm sure it will. But in the meantime, I think we can close a book on, chapter on this. Also, welcome back, Danny. We lost you for a little bit. Long story short, we recap main event. And that was the first news and notes that Sweet. I dived in on. So what's else? What's else on the docket, Kobe? Uh, let's talk TJ Dillashaw, who apparently has retired. We've kind of learned what that means is not necessarily that you are permanently done with the sport. It's more of just a long-term recovery thing. And you take your name out of the USADA testing pool. You take your name out of bout speculation while you recover long-term. Um, can I tell you what it really is? I think that is juice. pretty leading what I just yeah. said, but go ahead. It is pretty leading what you just said, but Connor just did it. And a lot of other fighters are going to do it. And it reminds me of the TRT Vitor Belfort, where once USADA started testing, a lot of these, some of these fighters would get on uh, testosterone replacement therapy. And it's basically similar to juice, although it does have its medical effects. So anyways, Vitor Belfort got juiced out of his gills on TRT. Well, what's happening now is they're just going to cycle on and off. And so I wouldn't be surprised. And again, but maybe John Jones layoff. He's up at heavyweight. He's going to be fighting at 255, 245. He got out of the pool. Conor McGregor, he got out of the pool. TJ Dillashaw now is seemingly getting out of the pool. So it's interesting. I mean, it's a smart loophole uh, to say the least, but. Man, TJ Dillashaw just can't seem to get out of his own way as far as like the PR aspect. Like whoever his PR person is, 
needs to be paid overtime. Horrible. They're definitely working overtime. Um, let's talk Dustin Poirier. Yeah, he has some sort of staph infection going on in his foot, some scary stuff. Obviously, he tweeted the picture of his foot and not looking great and that he was going to get out of the hospital, but then he's back in the hospital as of today. Today was Thursday the 8th. And I didn't uh, see that he was back in the hospital. Yeah, the medicine's not responding. I had seen a tweet that it started that it's or that the antibiotics had started working. But that was the last I had heard of it. I think that was as of today, like within the last few hours, he's back in the hospital, went back. He had so I saw that he posted on Twitter too that uh, surgery, he just got out of surgery. Whether surgery was success or not, I don't know. I think bottom line, staph infections are serious. Praying for the best here. Yep. I don't know what kind of recovery timeline it takes from a staph infection to get back into fighting shape, but. I can't imagine that this is something that is quick for whatever reason. Um, it's so praying for the best for a guy that we all like and is a really, really, I don't know, not just a really good fighter, a real contender. And a real good dude. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the most likable guys in the sport, period. If anyone wants to see the effects of staff, an image, be, but look up Kevin Randleman's staff, S-T-A-P-H, Kevin Randleman, ex-UFC fighter. It is one of the gnarliest things I've ever seen. There's like a hole the size of a grapefruit in his armpit from staff that he just left untreated. So definitely dangerous stuff. Stay safe out there. Be cleanly. One fight to announce, not the biggest of names, but it's actually the only announcement we have for this week. Um, Nasrat Hakparast and Jamie Malarkey in Perth. So that'll be Malarkey in Perth on February 11th, 284. And that card's getting filled out. I know Malarkey is a whatever, an Oceana region fighter, but it feels like there's a ton of guys off that card still. Like the whole city kickboxing crew, um, Della Maddalena. Uh, I think Della Maddalena called for a spot there, though. I think. I think. I hope I'm, they all get on. I'm just. Noticing the cards getting a little full. Hey, I'm I don't know about you guys, but I'm down for like 25 fights. Let's go all day. Let's go from 12 to 12. I think I'm seeing 11 total right now. So there's still a little bit of room. Yeah, probably three or four more. Um we had London announced as the venue or O2 as the venue in London for UFC 286. That'll be in March, March 18th. Yeah, thank you about going. Sweet. March 18th is actually ankle pick Reese's birthday. So I might go to the O2. Why not? I mean, that'd be incredible. Do we have any kind of idea of, I mean, we have an idea, but is there any kind of official announce of, of who we've got headlining that card? Are we going to get Leon like Edwards. an Arnold Allen? Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman. For sure? No. I think that I think that you're probably right. But this fight this weekend would, does make Patty probably available. Molly McCann we'll probably available. available. Darren Till probably. Aspinall probably. Aspinall, I don't know what his injury's looking like. I don't want to get way out ahead of my skis, but we had been circling March for both Aljo versus Cejudo and John Jones versus Ngani. Is London a pay-per-view? Definitely. Yeah, I assume so. It hasn't yeah, been in it, years It is past. UFC 286. It's announced as 286. Okay. So you might get you might get Leon Kamaru, Patty will probably be on it. Meatball Molly will probably be on it. 
Tom Aspinall would be a great lead. Fun card. Patty Pimlet, Ilya Tapuria. Ilya smokes them this weekend. They get into it this week. Watch. They're going to be like a little scuffle because they're on the same card. Book it. It's all, it's all designed. <laughs> Except Patty would never sign that. He's too yeah, smart. books. Also, wait. Pop culture. Team Patty or Team Ariel? Yeah, did we not cover that in the news and notes? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I mean, I'm not, I guess I wouldn't say I'm team either in this. I'm situation. team Ariel. Yeah, it sounded like Dana Ariel. Dana and Patty. <laughs> I like Patty a lot. It just sounds like he didn't exactly tell the truth, and Ariel kind of flamed him. Media sticks to me with media, baby. Oh, I um, also have one more quick news and notes. Go ahead. Uh, it's official. If you have UFC four, Shavkat Rachmanov is playable. And wait, it's it's official with 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 like quotes because I tried the second I saw that tweet this afternoon, and I still haven't been able to. I got every fighter update. I can fucking play as Eric Silva, and I can't fucking play as Shavkat. There's one other. Do you see the other guy? No, I didn't because I don't clearly don't have it. Marab Devalish V. He's got four and a half star grappling, four and a half star health. And Love that star cardio, <laughs> and and three striking or something like that, or four striking. But so I'm gonna be in there. Gr- I'm just gonna be fucking wrestle fucking people online. So let's go. Um, all right, we can transition into UFC 282. One replacement to announce: Robbie Lawler, unfortunately, out of the card with an injury. In replacing him against. Ponzinibbio will be Alex Morano. One other thing before the full transition, we are releasing this. Are we going to release this tomorrow morning, Kobe? So Friday the 9th. Friday the 9th. So if you're listening to this Friday the 9th, you have downloads on. We got you covered. Bellator 289 is tonight, Friday night, uh, December 9th. And it's got a, it's got the top three or four fights are disgusting. Must watch television. So, Get out ahead of that. Bellator 289 sick. And I also have a bunch of interview clips and sound bites that will be posted on all our social medias. So enjoy that. Get invested in the storyline because Sabatello and Stotts genuinely hate each other. So if you're someone who loves to see two guys go to war, it you'll you're gonna see it. So I'm excited for that. Oh, and Danny's boy. Magomed Magomedov, the double Magomed, rarely loses. And he's taking on Patty Pakshi Mix, which is another extremely high-level fight. So I'm I'm juiced to the gills for Bellator 289. Would you guys like to add anything before we segue to 282? Okay. Silence is golden. Danny, you still with me? Yes, sir. Sweet. All right, let's get into UFC 282. So there's a pay-per-view card, and the prelims start at 5 p.m. Central. 5 p.m. Central, it will be in Vegas. And it's a pretty good pay-per-view. It's definitely not the strongest. But what I would say is the card that – the fight that leads off the card is the one that I think everyone's most excited for, the the pay-per-view card that is. We'll get there, though. Stick in your seats. We're going to try to glide through this and hopefully find ourselves an ankle lock in the process. So Cameron Simon against Stephen Coslow. 
And Simon, my bad, Dan, I'm on Bellator odds. Simon is minus 365, Coslo plus 300. It opened as Simon plus, no, Simon minus 150 and has just gotten, so it, it got smashed it open all the way to like 200, 250, and then it just has continued to tail since then. So as usual, unless you're telling me Coslo, which I doubt you are, the question is, can you play Simon at 380? This is a big pass for me um, coming off the contender series. I think he was a dog in his fight too. Um, but Simon's a guy who trains mainly with Drikas Duplessis, who we'll talk about a little later. He's got a good yep. all-around game, uh, but it is kind of highlighted by his striking, even though he's a capable grappler. Um, Oslo, to me, even though I couldn't find really any tape on him. It was hard. You look at him on paper and he's a 10th Planet affiliate. I think he's just going to look to grapple, look for submissions. He's got six fights, six sub finishes. Very really hard to lay money on either guy, whether it's a parlay or whatever. Um, I've heard kind of through the rumor mill that this Kozlo guy is is really trash. Maybe maybe stab that Simon inside the distance, but it really would just be that a stab. Um, and I, I don't have any kind of really huge... Yeah, good 10th planet. And then Coslo also had a very lengthy amateur career. Worth noting that uh, near the tail end, he took a lot of fights like four and two, five and one, six and one, five and one, seven and two. But his pro career, he's never fought someone over 500. And so coming in here and taking on Cameron Saman got a disgusting finish on the contender series. I think this is a layoff and that's the best you can do. You might want to add same into a parlay, but at the straight 380, I think we missed the boat. One other thing, Simon, 21 years old. Why is he not the youngest guy on the card? Because Raul Rosas Jr. at 18 is the prelim capper that we'll get to in a little bit. But wild that a 21-year-old somehow is not the youngest guy in the UFC card. Absolutely crazy. Daniel Da Silva, fuck this guy. Lost to Victor Altamirano, embarrassed me in front of everybody. He's taking on Venetia Salvador, Venetia Salador. Salador's coming off the contender series. Da Silva's coming off an 0-3 so far in the UFC. So I don't know what he has on Dana because it has been, he's been 0-3 with three finishes. So this but, is this he signed a four fight deal. This is okay. his last fight on his contract, and I will say that for a guy that all he does is lose, he loses in an entertaining fashion, which Dana certainly likes. And I don't know, yeah, it, but, one reason why Dana hasn't been kind of knocking on his door earlier to say like get out of here. He oh, even though he's not a Salvador opened at minus two hundred. Salvador opened at minus two hundred. He's now minus two fifty, and. I don't know enough about the Salvador. The only fight I've taped is the contender series fight. And I actually remembered watching it. Look, I mean, I will, I won't back Daniel Da Silva again because Victor Aldemarano is like some of the bottom rung. And so if you're losing to him by finish, I'm out. I'm not touching you. Not but to mention the Frankie Figueroa knee bar. Um, I don't even want to think about it. And so with that, I'm I, just like Shark Tank, I'm out. Yeah, 
I I'm wiping my hands of the whole thing. Now, I wanted to run something by you, Dan. Never mind. I was going to say under, but it's under one and a half for a flyweight fight is minus 200. Yeah, can't be doing that. What the fuck? I might take the over. So, so far, two passes. Eric Silva, we just mentioned him, taking on TJ Brown. We just mentioned him. So, TJ Brown is glory or Eric Silva's glory? TJ Brown was formerly uh, a glory MMA fighter. Okay. So, TJ Brown, Eric Silva, and it's minus 110 each way, dead split. It opened at Eric Silva minus 225. And watching the line trajectory is kind of like watching, uh, looking down a ski slope. It's just pretty straight down. Maybe a couple moguls here and there for anyone who skis. But it, it's pretty straight down, and now it's at, at dead even. Danny, is there a lean? Because this fight intrigued me as an aspect of Eric Silva's 35. He's coming off the contender series. He did put together a great finish. But then TJ Brown on the other side is a guy that we've backed before. I believe against Charles Rosas or Rosa. I mean, is there a spot here? 110, if you have a conviction on someone, this is a spot. I really don't. Like you said, it's a huge red flag for me, Silva, making his debut at 35 years old, um, making his actual professional debut only six years ago um, versus a guy like Brown, who's a lifetime mixed martial artist, will be the better athlete in here. Um, But kind of like you were alluding to, he's not a guy who's ever really beaten even a medium level fighter. Yeah. Uh, He beats up on the Kai Kamakas and the Charles Roses, but um, I mean, even guys like Jordan Griffin. Yeah, I was going to say Jordan Griffin, Danny Chavez. Mm -hmm. And so TJ will be a capable grappler with a lot more experience. Um, But you know what? Eric's another guy who's a capable grappler. And so it's hard for me to really find a side here. Um, It's going to be a pass on my end. Sorry, I was looking at Parker's communications with our future guest. Yeah, pass. Has to be a pass. I, I don't disagree. I, I think that if you had a conviction on this, let's say you've done your own taping or research, and you, I, I think either one of these guys you can make an argument for. I'm just not putting my hard-earned money there. Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo, taking on Alexander Hernandez, 145-pound fight. And Alexander Hernandez is plus 145. Billy Q, minus 170. Billy Q opened at minus 210. Alexander Hernandez getting a little love. And Dan, I'm going to start this one off because Alexander Hernandez blew on the scene with a flying, no, a Superman punch, I believe, over Benel Dariush. Knocked him out cold. I was on Benel Dariush that night, and I was watching a book. I was watching, and I freaked out. And I go, this kid is legit if he's beating Dariush like that. Followed it up with a victory with, over our guy, OAM. Follows it up with a victory over OAM. And I'm like, dude, I got to buy stock in this kid. That's That was that was a fight where OAM could have won and rolled for a heel hook. And yeah, that seems to bite me more than it should. It does, doesn't it? But ever since then, it's been slow, slow treading. Uh, and he's been coming off. It's, it's crazy. He goes, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. By that science, it's a win here. 
But Billy Q, a guy you like a great deal, and coming off a good performance against Shane Burgos, beating the snot out of Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. Has the price come down enough where you're tempted on Billy Q? I'm tempted. Um, The problem is the way that I know that both these guys fight, I think I'll get a better price after round one. And ultimately, Mm. I do think Billy Q is going to win this fight. He's an awesome fighter, both to watch and bet on, move forward constantly. Sets an unreal pace, puts a ton of pressure on his opponent, willing to grapple as as a jujitsu black belt when he thinks he has an advantage. Um, But man, Hernandez, like you said, he's a fast starter. He's got explosive, explosive power. Um, He's a good striker, decent wrestler. But his cardio just does not keep up. He's not the most durable. I like this spot for Billy Q. I think I'm going to love it a lot more when it's closer to even after the first round. One thing I'm worried about with Billy Q, though, is um, strength inside there. Billy's more one natural 145-er. Alexander Hernandez is balanced between 55 and 45, and he's strong. And so I'm wondering, if you th- it, let's say this stays in the clinch or Hernandez does get the takedown, do you think the size might be a factor at a dog price? You're getting a guy who walks around probably 10, 15 pounds heavier. Not for 15 minutes. I think it could be a factor in that first round. Um, but ultimately, I think Billy's going to take him to deep waters and, and really see what Hernandez is made of. So to be clear, your ultimate approach here most likely is going to be a live bet round one, Billy Q. I'm probably going to go the approach of like a, a half my bet, like a small unit, unit and a half uh, before it starts. And then add on to that after round one. Okay. I, I could get behind that. Chris Curtis, take it on. Joaquin Buckley at 185. That's an underrated banger. And Joaquin Buckley is loaded. Yeah, it is. Joaquin Buckley minus 165. Chris Curtis plus 140. Joaquin Buckley opened at 125. And here's what's weird about this line movement. It initially went in the way of Chris Curtis. So it opened at Buckley minus 125 and actually got to 110 each way. And then it instantly came back down. Uh, to 167 where it sits now, 165. So what's interesting about that is the initial perception of the market was Chris Curtis. And then after time, and they've actually sat with it a little bit, it's come all the way back to Joaquin Buckley. The reason why I'm so I'm I'm so fascinated by that line movement is that's kind of what happened to me. I saw this fight get announced. And I go, man, I'm having a tough time picking a favorite. Chris Curtis has been on a roll. Stylistically, this is an interesting fight. But the more I've sat with it, Dan, and the more I've taped on it, I like Buckley here. And the reason why is I think that Buckley's biggest downfall is his size. For 85, he is built like a Mack truck, but he almost rarely, if ever, has height and reach. This is a good fight for him matchup-wise. Chris Curtis has a very similar build. And has a very similar fight style. And I think that when I look at the skill sets of these two gentlemen, and I analyze their striking all week, which ultimately is where I think this fight takes place, I think Joaquin Buckley is just a little bit more powerful, a little bit more crisp, a little bit more accurate. And that's ultimately why I, I, I'm leaning the Buckley side here. You know, this is almost a hard for me. It's a hard one for me to call. Um, I see where you're coming from, and I think Joaquin's going to have a lot of success striking kind of at range. 
And uh, I do tend to fade Chris in the pocket with those combinations. I think that he he's kind of better at stringing punches together than Joaquin is. Um, but Joaquin's as dangerous as they come. This is a guy who, similarly to a lot of heavyweights, I kind of knee-jerk look immediately at the overs because he's a guy that's been perennially bet inside the distance and under and against Al Durak against yeah. uh Durak Al Hassan. Yeah. Um, against dangerous guys. It's it's whatever. It's been a recipe for success, but I think it's kind of caught up on me here. I'm looking at the line and it's significantly minus for the under or for the over one and a half. But I do um, think both of these guys definitely respect each other. And that's something you love to tip is the first round sometimes, especially in the big heavyweight fight, sometimes just get thrown to the wayside. It's a patty cake match for five minutes. Really helps you hit that one and a half cover. That might 100%. be the case here. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that that's incredibly likely. Um, ultimately, it's probably going to be a spot where I lay off just because I don't love the number. Um, okay. I can respect that. I'm just much more impressed with the resume too. I mean, I know... Beating Hadolfo, even though it's very one-dimensional, and beating Brendan Allen and Phil Hawes is no – I do not want to scoff at Phil Hawes, Brendan Allen. Those are two big-time feats and great performances by Chris Curtis. But Joaquin Buckley's beaten the snot out of Albert Duraev, who I was really high on. And I guess he did fall to, to Carrico via head kick and Holland via finish, but he's definitely more battle-tested inside the UFC, which I do – like, I guess Chris Curtis, though, isn't just some guy. He's a veteran. He's been around the block. Yeah, he's been, he's been around the block. So maybe that doesn't weigh in as much as I, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. I think the price hopefully will come back down closer to that even point, and maybe I'll get an entry point because I don't think I'm going to lay the 160. But definitely bookmark this for a potential bonus. Edmund Shabazi and Dolce Luki and Bula, 185. That also is a pretty decently exciting fight for different reasons. Dolce Lugia and Bula plus 270, uh, 245. Edmund Shabazi and minus 295. Edmund Shabazi actually opened, Dan, minus 450 and has pretty steadily come back. Very interesting. We're talking about a guy in Edmund Shabazi who opened minus 150 against Nasruddin Imamov, opened at minus 105 against Jack Hermanson, opened minus 270 against Derek Brunson. So you know. Vegas and the bookmakers at least love this guy. But if you're a public better, you've been in trouble. Is this the spot where he gets back on that track? You know, someone's got to get back on track. We're looking at both these guys coming off of what three fight losing streaks. So I like do that. favor the Edmund side. Um, one now that he's moved away from uh, who was it? Tarvin Tarvarian um, Ronda's old coach. He's now with, at extreme couture in Vegas. Had um, Eric Nixick. Yeah, absolute legend. But he's always had great striking. He's always had a lot of power. He's never been lost on the floor. His gas tank has always been the thing that's been the huge issue. You can fix um, that, though. And, and you know, for me, I just think Edmund's going to be a lot faster here. I think he's going to actually have the better gas tank. Dolch is a big, big middleweight. Um, it, it's, I don't know, he, he's fought up at light heavy. Um, I just think he's going to be a little slower, a little bit less crisp. Yep. I expect Edmund to counter him frequently. Um, and unless Edmund gasses, I think that there aren't a lot of paths to victory. Well, here's the question that everyone listening is wondering is two ninety five a payable price. I think it's an okay parlay piece. Um, 
And I think that the inside the distance is probably more what I'm looking at. Okay. And the inside the distance line is fight doesn't go to decision minus 225. So definitely leans on that side. Uh, under two you and a half inside the distance at around even over at five dimes, okay. uh, minus 135 on yep. Nevada, um, plus 105. If you can get Betway, I, I yeah. cannot, but and the other thing too that's interesting is the under two and a half is minus 170. So a sizable amount of juice taken off if you want to lose that last two and a half minutes. I mean, I think this is Edmund Shabazian's fight to lose. I think the fight camp change is great. I think that the losses are actually great. It's big time learning lessons. You know, he's not going to give up. He got fucking crucifixed by Imovov and just stood in there and ate them all. Yeah, and he's he's been done no favors throughout that run. I mean, it's, yeah. it's Derek Brunson who's just going to wrestle him for 15 minutes. It's Jack Hermanson who's capable anywhere. I mean, let's not forget that he was winning eight of the nine minutes he just fought against the Leeds. Yeah. Um, and then Nasruddin Imovov, who I have a ton of respect for. I still think is a budding prospect. Um, absolutely and yeah. i think that this is the first time he's kind of been given a back, get back on track fight absolutely. almost since the jack marshman fight absolutely the other thing too that's worth noting is i've never been high on uh dolce he came in so he's an african he was in an african organization and he's physically a ridiculous specimen he is a humongous man built like william knight just an absolute mac truck of a human but he's 35 years old. He's very raw. He's been riding his physical gift. And when you see him fight guys that are very like skillful, you see it becoming a problem. And he also has a pr- pr- propensity to gas out, i.e. the Marc-Andre Barriol fight. So I think Edmund's a pretty safe play here. And I think that in a lot of ways, he's fighting for his UFC contract here. I mean, he'll work his way back. Like, if Edmund goes to the regional scene, he'll mow through everybody. Like, it, it, it's just more like, how do you sell the data? Hey, I've lost four fights in a row. Dolce also lost three fights in a row. And I, if I just lost to him, it's a tough sell. Last thing is uh, yeah. Edmund went over to Extreme Couture, which is where Punahele Soriano trains, who's the last mm. guy who knocked out Dolce. So there should be some kind of game plan tips there or at least some, yeah. a, a successful game planning against Dolce. Puna Hale also has a somewhat similar fighting style. So that's that actually is a decent training partner too. Like you could get some good rounds in with Puna Hale. Jarzinho, Biggie Boy, Rosenstroik taking on Chris Dalkis at 265. The big boys. Daukas plus 145, Jarzinho minus 170. The line opened at Jarzinho minus 160 and instantly got smashed to like 190, it looks like. Yeah, 190. And then it slowly tailed back starting December 3rd. So last eh, five days, it started tailing back to where it's settled in now at minus 170. Dan, I'm going to start you off here. And the reason why is because you're a big guy in the biggie boy camp. You've always been a fan. You've gotten historically better reads on Kyle Do- or Chris Dawkins than me. Um, what What's your thoughts here? I mean, is this going to be one where they kind of slowly grind out a decision, which would be shocking to most? Are you going to be on that over one and a half or do you have a side lean? What's, I'm what's looking going? at it. I think I'm passing on the side. Um, but ultimately that, that over one and a half does seem like an attractive price. 
It's a fun heavyweight fight. Um, neither have neither have been really successful in the division. I don't consider either of them contenders or future contenders, but they're kind of major steps above the Shermans, the Alan Baudos, the Parker Porters. Mm. Um, so they're kind of in no danger of getting pink slipped here. It's kind of just a fun fight for me. Um, on paper, I think Jarzinho is the better striker. He's got an sure. extensive uh, kickboxing background. I, I would say almost for sure, Dan. Person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on the mark. And it kind of reminds me of the uh, uh, Joaquin Buckley-Curtis matchup because I do think Daukus in the pocket will have the better boxing combos. Mm. Um, so he might be able to run up some stats given that Jarzinho is historically just low, low, low output. Um, I'm trying to pull up the Jarzinho stats here. The low the output. Most stats or the most strikes he's ever thrown in an entire fight was the Overeem fight, and he didn't get up to 90. He was at 89. The, the low output also really helps that potential over one and a half spot. Do, right. Did you find a price on that over one and a half? What does that yeah, say? Yeah, it, it's plus 130 most places. You can get it all the way up to plus 145. Okay. That is that is a relatively enticing spot. I, I probably will find myself there, especially because both of these gentlemen are no stranger to being finished, which usually when you've been finished, you're cautioned to try to not to repeat that. You don't just stand in the pocket and sling. I guess unless you're Curtis Blades. Um, so what what what's before we move on to the prelim capper, what's your potential leans here? Just just the over. Ultimately, okay. I do think Biggie's gonna find Dalkus's chin. Um, but I don't I don't expect it to happen early. Okay. And I, I don't want to pay juice on that. I could definitely get behind that. And the over is definitely a cheeky play here. So I'll I'll probably find myself there. Jay Parent, a guy who I think is beyond underrated, but yet at last hasn't shown me that. He's taken on Raul Rosas Jr. And the reason why this name might sound familiar to you if you're not 100% sure who he is, it's because he's, a, he's first, he looks like Jan Jaroba, but second, he's 18 years old. He got on the I think scene. He looks at, more like Blooper <laughs> or Beaker. Yeah, um, yeah, right. uh, so he took a contender series fight at 17. He actually needed his parents' consent to take the fight. Now 18 years old, and he's making his UFC debut against Jay Perrin. Mind you, his contender series was he dominated this man, Mondo Gutierrez. And Mondo Gutierrez is no joke. Am I crazy to think that Mondo's might be better than Jay Perrin? No, you're not crazy, but I think Jay Perrin is very deceptively talented. He's well-rounded and he's good everywhere. He's just not great anywhere. He's just good everywhere. And when you look at like the allegory uh, or the Richie Lang fight or the Mario Batista fight, it's like he showed very good moments in that fight. He put up a really good fight. It just didn't go his way, which stinks. Raul Rosas Jr. though, my issue is I'm too scared to back to bet against him because his grappling is just too dangerous. But I'm also too scared to bet for him because it's an 18-year-old making his UFC debut. The one thing that I want to add that is that bodes in his favor, it is in the UFC Apex. He has fought here before. Um, wait, is it Apex? I thought it was T-Mobile. Am I crazy? No, you might. I might be off my rocker. Oh no, you know what? It is T-Mobile because it's pay-per-view. Duh, great catch. 
it's pay-per-view. So fuck me, full fans and arena and attendance. So I take back what I said that that does make a big difference in my opinion. I will say you're not wrong about anything you said. I think I've got more confidence in this spot uh, in Rosas than, than you just because I'm not so high on Jay Perrin. Um, right. Rosas, like you said, is extremely green, but he has an, a style of, to his fighting um, that is easily. I guess if he builds upon that style, it, it's a style that has led to championships. I mean, it, it's reminiscent of GSP. It's reminiscent of Khabib. Um, it, it's a chain wrestling, relentless presser, jujitsu for days. Um, just really attractive style to bet on. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that there will be a spot to fade him. I don't think Jay Perrin's the guy. And so I think I'll probably have Rosas in a parlay here. Um, he won't be the key piece of any parlay. Like you said, I don't want to be caught off guard with the 18-year-old yeah. that has never fought in front of 100,000 people. I mean, that's a crazy big number I said. but um, We've just seen it, it before, you know, and that's that's where my fear comes in is when these young guys come in and they're just dismantled by what they're now fighting. 18 has got to be one of the youngest we've seen. But he also is extremely, extremely confident in himself and his abilities. I think this this could go one of two ways, Dan. You either are kicking yourself because the 18-year-old comes out and just doesn't perform properly, or you just got an absolute gift of a spot on a guy who's going to end up being a phenom that mm-hmm. you can point to and say, you know that guy you're paying minus 600 on? I got him at, at minus whatever it is, 205. Versus a guy who might not be in the sport anymore. Right. Against, yeah, I, I like Jay Perrin, but I, I'm on an island. Okay, that'll do it for the, the prelims. Let's get to this main card. UFC 282, just absolutely disgusting pay-per-view card from two perspectives. One, entertaining. Patty Pimlet's on it. Everyone loves it. But two, you got a light heavyweight title fight and this fight that we're about to break down that I I'd think- I'd love to swap the the. Pimlet Gordon with the Mitchell Topur. Topur- oh, I think fight. everyone I think, agrees. Yeah. yeah. This, so this fight is going to be disgusting. So let's get into it. Bryce Mitchell, 15 and 0 featherweight, is taking on Ilya Topurio or Topuria, 12 and 0 featherweight. Ilya Topuria finds himself at, why is it not here? Is it in future bouts? It was. I think it's in future bouts. Let me see. Sorry, I'm everybody. Minus yeah. So it is in future bouts. Places. So it's minus 140 plus 120 on Bryce Mitchell. This line opened at Ilya Tapuria and Ilya Tapuria minus 150. So here's the movement here minus 150 gets to minus 200. All the way up until November 1st. And then it's has slowly come down since to where it's settled at 140. I'll be honest, Dan. I genuinely believe the minus 200 is a more accurate line. I'm with you. Yeah. I think that we're going to see a major coming out party for Ilya Topuria this weekend. Yep. Um, I, I tape this in, in depth to see if I'm missing something. And I'm still, I still think Ilya is the guy. And I don't want to take it. hurts me because I've been a big Bryce Mitchell fan. I've made 
a couple a lot a decent amount of money cashing a couple of tickets uh guess charles rosa pretty big touchy feely um i was on the other side edson barbosa but i i do think Ilya is just on a different level yeah. um mitchell is a great fighter like i just said about rosas the chain wrestling style relentless um, doesn't give up when he's been stuffed six takedowns. He's going to go for that seventh, cook him to the bone, position over submission, grappling style. There's a lot to like. Topuria just is a complete package. Uh, Greco-Roman background, great for stuffing takedown. Legit BJJ black belt, not worried on his back. Extremely dangerous striker. The combos, the body digs. It, it's He's just the complete package. He's a phenom. He's yeah. a legitimate phenom. And he rallied hard against Jai, Jai Herbert. He got caught. And you know what the he, thing is, though? What? Bryce Mitchell is not a 6'1 kickboxer. So you literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, Bryce Mitchell, if there is a hole in Tapuria's game, Bryce Mitchell will not find it. Now, the question is, if these two were to roll, would it be completely one-sided? No. No. And I, I think Tapuria is going to have Great success. So, Dan, potential ankle lock here? Potential. Okay. I'm scared to do it against Bryce Mitchell, too, but this is a, a cheap price for a guy that I don't know if he'll get under minus 200 anytime soon. I agree. I think this is one of the cheaper prices. Will Another one where you look back and be like, I got Ilya Tapuria against a one, the one-dimensional fighter. Right. Especially if Bryce Mitchell's career goes like, a little sideways people figure out his jits a little bit i mean the edson barbosa fight edson's the definition of on his way out so we'll see i'm ex- this is the fight pin this one this is a potential fight of the whatever this is gonna be sick okay darren till his long way to come back against drikas duplessis 185 and the line is duplessis Minus 175, Darren Till plus 150, Duplessis open minus 135, and it's pretty much come straight down. A ton of movement, Dan, on December 3rd. It went from minus 143 all the way to minus 188 in like two days. So late money or late-ish money is coming in on Duplessis here. Look, I'm going to give you the floor here because I'm not sold on Duplessis from what I've seen inside the UFC. And it's not that his resume isn't impressive. It's just that I haven't, I'm not sure where this all came from. He kind of busted on the scene. He's and he had, doesn't really pass the eye test. Right. Nothing looks super crisp. Nothing looks super dominant or strong, but clearly the power is there. It clearly turns people's lights out. Right. And he, he's had three UFC fights, two against, one of which is Marcus Perez, one of which is Trevin Giles. And so... Like, I'm, I don't know where this rise to being a ranked, a ranked fighter in the UFC is coming from. I, I think, I know he had a really long uh, African regional scene. I know that he, I believe he was a kickboxer. Um, Those KSW fights, the, the Roberto yeah. Sizzik fights are freaking awesome. Check oh, those yeah. out if you haven't, listeners. So maybe that's where a lot of this instant stardom has come from, but he's number 13 ranked middleweight in the world. And he's beaten three UFC guys, two of which are fringe or no longer with the promotion. 
what, and, and what, what has am I only missing? been booked on big pay-per-view nights. It's we're talking Adesanya Cannoneer, we're talking Poirier McGregor. This is a guy from the very beginning. They they said we're gonna put the marketing machine behind you a little bit. Um I don't know, and it, it's a tough spot, but at the current price, I think I'm gonna be on Darren Till Small. I know he's on as cold of a streak as they come. I kind of agree with you, Dan. But I believe that there still is an elite Muay Thai striker in there. Um, not to mention the injuries he's been dealing with. We're talking broken collarbone. We're talking tearing his ACL a week out from the uh, Derek Brunson fight. Um, but he's just a guy has a similar problem to Jarzinho. He's a great counter striker. He dropped uh, Robert Whitaker two fights ago. But his output is just it's just not there, and it tends to have him lose minutes. Yeah. And as good as his Muay Thai is, he, if you're losing minutes in a three-round fight, you're not going to have success. Um, and as long as he's healthy here, I think that this is going to be a great spot. I mean, I have to – this is all speculation, but I have to imagine with all the time he's spending at All-Stars with Hamzat, um, he's been co-training with in, in Thailand as well. Um, I do think that – he's going to be a better version than we've seen period in the last four years um, of, of Darren Till, but I won't call this. I just want to emphasize though, that if you are going to ride with us and ride Darren Till at the perceived value, don't blow your whole bankroll on this or throw a fat. I mean, this is a slight feeler play. See what Darren Till, how he looks where his mindset's at, where he's at. I mean, he's coming on a losing streak. He's a guy who's not used to losing. He's getting finished by Derek Brunson. You saw him break in that fight to Derek Brunson. He had no answer for the wrestling, probably an ACL factor. And so just stay within yourself on betting there until, because I know he's a fan favorite. I know he can hype it up in all these things that he is. He's got it and he does, but just, don't chase or blow your load on Darren Till. I like it. Dan like it. likes it. Usually a recipe for success, but don't go nuts. Um, don't, don't, don't go crazy. There's so many ways this could go wrong. That exactly. Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on a short notice replacement in Alex Morono, and Alex Morono's plus one fifty five. Ponzinibbio minus one eighty. Ponzinibbio opened at minus two sixty, but. That's still much smaller than where he opened against Robbie Lawler, which was minus like 400. So 260, Alex Morono getting some love and is kind of adjusted around this 155 area. And, and Ponzinibbio settled in at this minus 180. Like, look, like, do I think Ponzinibbio is better, the better fighter? Absolutely. Do I think that Ponzinibbio most likely will piece him up on the feet? Yes. But Ponzinibbio is 36 years old. He's coming off. He's coming off. He's lost three of the, his last four. Alex Morono on the other side is kind of coming in hot. Beat up on Donald Cerrone pretty bad. Beat David Zawada. I guess Mickey Ball, Mickey Gall, no one really holds. But then he had a good win against Semselberger too. Like, like I, I think that you're getting a cheaper price than Ponzinibbio might normally would be because of the, the career trajectories of these two gentlemen as of recent. But you got to remember, it's like split decision over Jeff Neal, split decision over Michelle Pereira. Like Ponzinibbio, as far as like a decorated striker goes, is one of the best. And so unless Alex Morono makes this a gritty, grind him down fight, which he might, 
I like Pons and ABO, but I don't like it at minus 180. Yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. I love this matchup for Ponzi stylistically. I hate the number. Um, an older version of Ponzi might have lost a step. I mean, we're talking major injury layoffs. We're talking getting knocked out in his return. Um, we're talking 36. Yeah. It, these are huge red flags. Um, but I do think that he's going to beat Alex to the punch, and Alex is really hittable. So I kind of agree. I kind of agree. And Morono is a guy who's been open about how I don't care about the title at all. I don't believe like he knows what he is. He's a guy who is good at everything, not great anywhere and just loves to fight, but he's 11 and four inside the UFC. And so you're not backing a guy who's just like, he, he's, he overperforms his appearance. And so 180 on a 36 year old is, is, it's a tough sell for me. Co-main event. What? I love Morona. Here or just in general? Yep, here. Interesting. I kind of had a, I don't know. An epiphany. Please, please explain, because Danny and I just talked about how Ponzinibbio is probably the side, but we're laying off because of the price. What's What do you I, love about Morona here? I just think that we've seen the best of Ponzinibbio. For sure. That's the truth. Of- Morona's a guy that's going to continue to press forward and he's had good game plans. I mean, we've seen Ponzinibbio lose against guys with questionable game plans and Michelle Pajeda last time out, he lost it. I mean, mean, Michelle's a a superior striker to both of these guys. That's not, that was, that's set. It's a split, but that was not a, that was a one-sided striking advantage. I think guys like Leach, guys like Jeff Neal are, a level above Alex Verona. I agree. But and since, since he, he lost back, those he fights. Three years off. Ponzinibbio is one and three in the UFC, and it's against real names. But I don't know. I think that we I, did, you know, we don't like his Baeza win as much as we have in the past. Oh, and- but you might be onto something, especially because of he, he beat Neil Magny, took a significant layoff, and since then he's been finished, win, loss, loss. I mean, but even before that, he was slated for a title fight against Kamaru Usman before he hurt his hand. There's still that guy in there. Alex Morono wouldn't sniff. It, it wouldn't and has never and will never sniff. Yeah, I don't fight. think there's – I don't think you have much argument that Alex Morono from a talent perspective is better than Ponzinibbio. The question is – I'm making on we've seen the best of Ponzinibbio. It's behind us. And yeah, and, and, and Morono – Morono isn't Kevin Holland that will let Ponzinibbio stand up if he gets the takedown. Yep. Okay. Well, I can see Morono wrestle. Not to stick on this fight. Let's move on. I truly have no idea. But, I mean, he trains out of Fortis. I didn't see any wrestling from my tape, though. <laughs> so, we'll see. But the shoot's in there somewhere. He, la- he landed a takedown against Anthony Pettis in 2020. He lost that fight, too, to a washed Pettis. All right. Patty Pimlet, Jared Gordon, co-main event. Patty Pimlet's exactly where you think Patty Pimlet is, minus 250. Jared Gordon plus 210. The line opened at like in the 100s. It opened at Patty Pimlet. Wow. It actually opened at Patty Pimlet minus 125 plus. So that was on October 22nd. And by October 23rd, it was Patty Pimlet minus 170. Almost makes you think it's an errant line. So we'll call 170 the open. And it's pretty much gone 170, 180, and just just straight to 260. 
If you're going to be on Jared Gordon, now's the time. I don't know how much more runway this Patty Pimlet has. But, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. Dan, if I'm picking the side here, I'm on Jared Gordon. I don't think Patty Pimlet <laughs> deserves that price tag. At the same time, I've seen the UFC and how they operate. Sean O'Malley is a great example. When they have a prize who is as entertaining as they come, they do what they can to keep him on top. A loss to Jared Gordon would greatly derail the Patty Pimlet train. I'm not, I, I'm not hinting at any sort of like illegitimacy. I'm saying more like, did the UFC craft this matchup intentionally, knowing that Patty likes to grapple? Jared likes to grapple. Patty might have an advantage grappling. Patty had an advantage grappling against um, Jordan Levitt. Jordan Levitt. So that's the part that scares me on backing Jared Gordon is, is why would I back a guy who no one except me wants to win, including the UFC? But I'm also not going to get off the fact that all of three years ago, he's losing in cage warriors. And he's getting stung. In every single one of his fights, I'm talking Kazula yeah. Vargas. Almost um, lost to almost lost to Vendermini. He was on skates, and then he also got stung in that first round by Vargas. Jordan Levitt was the most dominant performance yet, um, so he is starting to get his skates under him. But you're but you, Jordan it, Levitt's a different kind of fighter. I the way I see this fight playing is I do think you're right. Jared will outperform his number. Probably get a takedown, probably win a round of top pressure. Um, I've heard from guys like Bilal, excuse me, who trained with him a lot, that he's got some really heavy top pressure. So. Jared Gordon and Bilal were actually roommates, and they trained a ton in Milwaukee. And Bilal, before Bilal's trajectory, would come out a lot and talk about how amazing of a training partner Jared Gordon is. Now, and how much still training all the time. Yeah. And now, how much of that friendship? I don't know, but it's worth. Yeah, I mean, that's another good point, Dan. That really is. I, I don't know. I just don't know if if the the UFC is going to let Patty lose. Jared's worth a sprinkle. You're right. Uh, the thing about Patty, though, is he's an all time opportunist. He only needs to find that single opening late in the second or or maybe in the third. I think that Patty has a big moment where he either lands a hook or he takes Jared's back and ultimately finds a finish after Gordon wins 10 minutes of this fight. The other thing too, that's most important that I want everyone listening to understand is if you are betting Patty Pimlin here, you need to be aware that you are giving up value. You're giving up expected value in exchange to be on Patty Pimlin. Any sort of edge you have, any sort of, of advantage that you think you have has been McGregor priced out of here. He has been bet up to a price that is purely name and personality based. I cannot emphasize that enough. And so if you are, I want expected value. I want, if you run the simulation of a fight a thousand times, I want the edge and the guy who's going to win it more often or, or out, out play his number. Then you always have to bet against Patty Pimlet because Patty Pimlet will never perform to his number because he will always be steamed in the opposite direction. And so that's betting 101. It stinks because most people hate betting against the people they love. I get it. 
I know people who will still bet Conor McGregor no matter what. Even They were betting Conor McGregor minus, or yeah, he was like plus 160 or whatever against Khabib. Like, it's just what, it's part of the game. And so you got to either be on the side of I'm going to bet with my heart or I'm going to bet with my expected value. And I'm usually the expected value guy. Now, Patty's burned me three times in the UFC already. So I don't know if I'm going to be on Jared Gordon. But if I needed a dog shot, Jared Gordon's it. I love it. Main event, Jan Blahovich, Magomed Ankalaev. Magomed Ankalaev, uh, Jan Blahovich for the UFC light heavyweight 205 vacant championship. This is not an interim. This is a legitimate lightweight or light heavyweight. Sorry, light heavyweight. I've been saying lightweight the whole time. Light heavyweight championship bout. Yuri's going to have a long stint. I'm sure he's going to be next in line. But the, whoever wins this most likely will be defending and, and will be honored as the true light heavyweight champion. The line here is Magomed Ankalaev minus 285. Jan Blahovich plus 240. It opened at Magomed Ankalaev minus 200. Dan, I'm going to shoot it straight with you. I love Magomed Ankalaev. Yeah. I love him. He's so talented. Jump he's on that. So, he is good everywhere. However, 285? 285 is getting stinky. Jump on that at 75. Jump on that at 55. Jump on that at 65. You're calling for it and say it's worth yep. taking? Yep. We're, we are entering the Magomed Inc. live era, and it's going to be a while before someone takes him out. Um Extremely complete fighter, one of the only guys at light heavyweight. Uh, really, since John Jones, is comfortable fighting from both stances, comfortable switching, great footwork, great defense, great power, skilled wrestler when he needs it. Obviously, Polish power exists. Blakovich is as dangerous as anyone. Um, I think Jan needs big moments to win any round, and I don't think he'll have five big moments or one big enough to end Magomed. Really, the only vulnerability we've seen from Magomed is that triangle he got caught in. I know when Tiago stung him, for me, that's behind the behind the head. Um, I think Magomed is just going to dominate. So I was going to ask you two things. First, I was going to kind of not ask you. So I was going to tell you tell everyone one thing and then ask you one thing. So his only loss in his entire professional career is Paul Craig, and he dominated the shit out of him until he got caught in a triangle choke with, I'm not kidding, four minutes and 59 seconds in the third round he tapped. Um, so if he would have been willing to potentially go out or hold off for one more second. It's he, easy to say. I, oh, obviously, obviously. I'm just saying. When this, you're caught oh, in a triangle, it feels like your brain is about to go fucking airhead commercial. No, like for balloon sure. out I, of your fucking head. You're 1,000%. I'm just saying that like, there is a universe where Magomed holds on and gets a unanimous decision. Outside of that, I'm very impressed with the Anthony Smith performance. I was very, very underwhelmed with the Tiago Santos performance to a worrisome degree. Jan Blahovich, by far, is his toughest test yet. You still think 285 is an acceptable price? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, with that being said, I could get behind it. I was worried about the price, but when you have a 39-year-old on the other side who did lose to Glover Teixeira in a disappointing fashion, I could 
see how Magomed kind of one kind of makes this a one-sided fight. And maybe I've been overlooking Blahovitz for his entire run, but I mean his path to to this whatever uh mega fight with Izzy with two belts on the line was an old Jacare split decision. Corey Anderson, who got cut immediately after, Dominic Reyes after the John Jones fight, and then lost to Glover and beat Rakich on like a fluke injury 10 yeah. seconds into the fight. So, or not into the third round, but Rakich was dominating him. Yeah, Ra- Ra- Rakich was, he, it was his fight until of a freak leg injury. Rakich was winning. So I don't disagree by any sense of the word. And I, I, I think, I think Magomed is the play. So before we close the chapter on 282, I'm going to ask Dan, and I know you haven't placed anything officially, but just do a quick, very quick run through on where I've got Ankalaev placed officially at 270. Okay. So Ankalaev is placed officially at 270. Right when we close the book, I'm going to jump on that as well and lock mine in at 270 or 280, whatever I get, whatever I can get price wise. What else do you got? Going small until I'm okay, going small till. probably a little bit smaller than Magomed, but a significant play on Ilya. Okay. Um, I think I'll be parlaying Rosas with um, Edmund small. Like I said, a, a lot of ways that can go wrong on both of those, but I do think that they'll, they'll be in one-sided fights. Um, and then, like I said, at the very beginning, I think I'll go small on Billy and then look for a live spot to add to that. Sweet. So just to piggyback off that, I'm not going to take my first stab until honestly, probably biggie boy Dalkus, And I'm going to take the over one and a half. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I'm sniffing too. I forgot about I'm going to place a hefty wager on Ilya Taporia. I will put a little disclaimer though, that that might be a heart fueled bet. I won't even lie. I really love Elliot Tapuria. I love Bryce Mitchell too, but Tapuria is just different. Little sprinkle on Darren Till. Little sprinkle on Jared Gordon and Magomed Ankalaev. I think that if you wanted a safety parlay, just to make sure that you felt something in the green, I, I think a parlay, and I'll get you what it pays, but a parlay between Magomed Ankalaev and... Uh, Oh, yeah, Taporia's in Futures. Um, and Ilya Taporia, it pays plus 132. And, and I think that that is up there with as sharp of a parlay as you can get. So, okay. I, I think that's it for me, Dan. Um, Kobe, would you like to add anything? Any programming things worth noting? Any house cleaning? I got some underdog sprinkles. All right, hit me. You guys were against it, but I like Chris Curtis at the plus 140-50 range, sprinkling okay. on that. I'm not so much against that. I, I I had liked the Curtis side until I had taped, um, and ultimately I'm going to stay away. But I do think, like I said, you've got a game Chris Curtis in the pocket, and that the more he closes the distance, the more success he'll have landing and, and really outlanding uh, Joaquin Buckley on the, on, the, on the stats. I think that we might see a situation where – Chris Curtis is running up the stats, but Joaquin Buckley is, is winning the bigger exchanges, which who knows what the judges will look at. Fair. Um, Morona, we talked about, and I'm also on till. Those are my underdog sprinkles. 
Okay. So you, you're joining the till train as well. That'll do it for ankle pick pod episode, a shit ton. We will be back with a interview with none other than Jonathan JSP Pierce. Make sure you go out there, show him some love, follow him on his socials. You're getting in on the early part of a massive ascend to the top. And then we're going to have our awards and our prediction show, which Malort will be flowing. So, And in between, one last episode, one last chance to make money uh, mid-December. I think it's a... Um, UFC Vegas 66. It? Yeah, UFC Vegas 66, Cannoneer Strickland. That'll be next week. Okay, so massive things coming from the ankle pickers to, to round out 2022. And we have a shitload planned for 2023. So... Buckle up. We appreciate you all for being here. Oh, thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.